and First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 21 through 30. So, Lord, we do pray that you would teach us from your word and that we would understand it and take these principles from the dispensation of law and apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the quarterly skips chapter 1 of 1 Kings. So I'll give you an overview. David is old and kind of infirm, and he had trouble staying warm. So a beautiful virgin was found. I had to make the point she was a beautiful virgin as a nurse for David, and her name was Abishag, the Shunammite, which comes up later in the, in the book. Then Adonijah, who was the fourth son of David, along with Joab and Abiathar, attempted to seize the throne. Adonijah just proclaimed himself king. Uh, while David was in his bedroom, and he didn't know about it. So the prophet Nathan finds out about this. He was not involved in it, and warns Bathsheba, who then warns David. David then declares Solomon king, and Solomon is supported by Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, who is a military man. Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet. Then the supporters of Adonijah scatter, and Adonijah runs for his life. And that's chapter 1. Okay, so our first section in this lesson is David advises Solomon. That's 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And can I get somebody to read that section? This is David's last words to Solomon. David is, again, an old man. He's infirm. And uh, so he's giving his son, who's taking his throne, advice about how to, how to do things from now on. And the advice is spiritual and then also practical. So verse 2, he says, I'm going all, the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. So now, how would you tell someone to show themselves a man nowadays? Say, be a man. How would you expand on that? Yeah. And then he goes on to tell him how to be a man in verse 3, right? Keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, according to what is written in the law of Moses. That's how to be a man. That you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. By the way, that's also the way to be a woman. The Bible has roles. Men are equal in worth, but different in roles. And the Bible explains those. And so, if you want to be a woman, you do exactly what he tells them to do to be a man. Um, you... Read God's word, just like Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, and uh, Solomon started out pretty good in that. He didn't maintain that through his life, but he started out well. Uh, the Bible doesn't say exactly. 
you know, the uh, quarterly estimated around 20. He was young. He was young. And um, <clears throat> I think he was, he may have been the eighth son. So Adonijah were, was older. And so that is probably why he thought he had the right to take it. You know, just as an aside, all of this intrigue was a result of David's sin. That's what Nathan told him. It was in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Nathan came to David and posed this story about a rich man with a whole bunch of sheep and a poor man with one little sheep. The rich man killed the poor man's sheep to feed a guest. And David got incense and said that man should be killed. And Nathan said, well, that's you. <laughs> because he killed Uriah's husband. And he took Uriah's wife as his own, Bathsheba. Now, David obviously liked Bathsheba a lot because she had four of his sons, whereas each of his other wives had one. So, um, and it's, you know, but Nathan said, the Lord has forgiven you. You will not die because the penalty in the Mosaic law for murder was death by stoning. So he told him, you will not die, but the sword will never leave your house after this. So this, the scar of the sin did not go away. And that's a principle that we can learn in our own lives. Sin can be forgiven by God and will be forgiven if we ask for it. But the scar of the sin uh, doesn't always, but it may remain. And you'll have the you know, lasting pain of it afterwards. And so in David's family, his first son raped one of his daughters. So his third son killed his first son in revenge, who was the sister's whole brother. Then the third son rose up in rebellion against David and almost succeeded and then was killed by Joab, and then we have this fourth son rising up again. So that prophecy came true of Nathan. So then verse 4 says, So that the Lord may carry out his promise which he spoke concerning me, concerning David, saying, If your sons are careful of their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. So, the continual maintenance of the Davidic king on the throne was dependent on each one's submission to the Mosaic Covenant. Now, only, we know only eight out of 20 gave any attention to the Mosaic Covenant at all. Eight out of 20. So it was very uh, checkered history. And then Zedekiah was the last Davidic king, 586 B.C. He was exiled to Babylon. His eyes were put out. He died in Babylon, and there has not been a Davidic king on the throne of Israel since 586 B.C. There will be one last king, and that's Yeshua, right? Hamashiach, that's how you say it, how the Hebrews would say it. And us Gentiles would say Jesus Christ, he's the last Davidic king, and he will not end. His kingdom will never end. Now we're in the times of the Gentiles. 
which started with Babylon and is still going on until the end of the tribulation period, which is rapidly approaching. So then look at verses 5 and 6. So that is David's spiritual advice. He says, listen to the law. You know, as king, you're to read the law every day, and you're to obey it. And now he gives advice about Joab. He says, verse 5, Now you also know what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me. He killed two people without David's knowledge and embarrassed David by that. You know, and he said, said he also shed the blood of war in peace. So it wasn't in war that he did this. He did this by intrigue, and uh, he was a murderer. So Joab would threaten Solomon's throne. Yeah, they were not killed in a battle. For example, the reason Joab killed Abner, I misspoke a couple of weeks ago about the reason. There was a battle between uh, David's men and Ishbosheth's men, okay, which was Ishbosheth was one of the sons of Saul who inherited the kingdom. And uh, they had a skirmish. Joab was leading. Abner was on the other side. And during that battle, Joab's brother, Azahel, was killed by Abner because he kept chasing him and he wouldn't back off. Joab told him to back off. Or, I'm sorry. Abner told him to back off. I don't want to kill you and make Joab mad at me. <laughs> he wouldn't back off. So he stabbed him while he was chasing him from behind. He stabbed him and killed him. That was in battle, okay? So Joab came at night and came up to him and, as a friend, approached him and stabbed him and killed him. So it was not in battle. Okay, that's the difference. You know, war is not necessary. Killing in war is not necessarily a sin. If you're under the authority under civil authority, for example, you know, for soldiers who go into battle now and have to kill people in battle, that is not a sin. Okay? Um, private killing is a sin. Well, yeah, when... Right. When I first came to follow the Lord, I was in the military. And I, can, and I read a book that had some false teaching in it by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a great man of God, and he was a martyr to the Nazis in uh, Germany. But he wrote a book called the, the Cost of Discipleship, and he taught that you, should, that you should not be in the military because of the commandment not to kill. And so, you know, I asked people in a free church down in San Antonio about that, and then they told me no, you know, because... Soldiers came up to John the Baptist and asked them what they should do. He didn't tell them to get out of the army. He told them not to cheat people. Not to cheat people. Not to take people's property, you know, etc., etc. And uh, there is a difference between killing in war under authority and killing privately for vengeance or for your own gain or something like that. The Bible says, "Do not commit murder." It's a yeah. It's a subset. No. Yeah, you're you're under authority, 
you're under legitimate authority. And, you know, the United States, I don't know if it still follows this, doesn't follow any of its norms anymore, had the, uh, has the doctrine of just war, of a just war. And I don't remember all the things that go into that. Usually it needs to be a, a war of defense instead of offense and, you know, stuff like that. Well, and Nazi Germany, I would say that was an unrighteous war, you know. Said a world conquest and uh, for his own glory, the leader's glory. Yeah. And probably lose your life. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, that would be in. So, anyway, so David told Absalom to execute Joab. He says, so act according to your wisdom, this is verse 6, and do not let his gray hair go down to Sheol in peace. Then, verse 7, Barzillai the Gileadite is someone who supported David when his son Absalom was trying to overtake him, trying to overthrow him. So he was faithful to the rightful king during a time of turmoil. And he told Solomon to show kindness to him show support to those who supported the rightful king. And then Shimei is an interesting case. Shimei, verse 8, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. Okay, remember Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. And Shimei came out again in Absalom's rebellion. David was running out of town to the east. And Shimei came out cursing him and making false accusations against him, you know, basically. And uh, David ran out, and then David's side defeated Absalom. Absalom was killed. David returned, and Shimei was afraid when David returned. And he came back to meet David as he, David is crossing the Jordan again and asked for forgiveness for all of his cursing. But Shimei had a following of Benjamites, okay? And so, and later another guy named Bikri led a rebellion of these ben, of Benjamites against David, and Joab had to go and, and kill Bikri to stop it. So Shimei is a threat. Shimei is a threat to Solomon's kingdom. And, and David is very interesting, what he says here. So behold, there is with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite of Bahurim. Now it was he who cursed me with a violent curse on the day I went to Mahanaim. But when he came down to me at the Jordan on his return, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now David kept that promise. That was an oath to Shimei, and he never, for years, attempted to harm this guy who's a rebel, because he'd made an oath. But then he goes on to say, Now therefore do not let him go unpunished, for you are a wise man, and you will know what you ought to do to him, and you will bring his gray hair down to Sheol with blood. So he didn't tell him to kill him. He told him to look. <laughs> for an opportunity because he was a threat. He was a threat to the rightful king. Solomon was the rightful king, as was David. Okay, so that's the end of section 
A. Now, the, the quarterly goes through First Chronicles 29, verses 21 through 30, but they don't cover it. So basically what that is is that was Solomon's formal inauguration. Both he and Zadok, who was the priest, were anointed together to demonstrate unity in the kingdom. Then David died, and it discusses his 40-year reign. So David reigned from the age of 30 to 70 years old. He didn't live that long. Okay, so Solomon removes a rival. Can I get somebody to read verses 13 through 25? This is section B. Okay, so, you know, after Adonijah, you know, proclaimed himself king, and David reversed it, Adonijah, you know, ran away. And this is back in chapter 1. It says, Now it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon, for behold, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, so he can go to the altar protection saying, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. This is what Solomon said. If he is a worthy man, not one of his hairs will fall to the ground. But if wickedness is found in him, he will die. So now he comes to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, with a request. You know, sounds reasonable, right? It's this Abishag, the nurse, that they got for David, okay? And uh, chapter 1 says, you know, David never slept with this girl. She was just his nurse, but she was put into his harem. And uh, this was a ruse to get people thinking that Adonijah had a right to the kingdom. And we can see this in, in Absalom's rebellion, um, 2 Samuel 16.22 one of the advisors told Absalom, do this, and it will legitimize your claim. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. That's one of the things Nathan prophesied to David when he sinned. This will happen to you. You did this in secret, the adultery. You know, someone else will do it to you in broad daylight. That's what Absalom did. And also, in the northern kingdom, the thing that got Abner to throw the kingdom to David was that Abner took Saul's concubine. And Ishbosheth was saying, Hey, <laughs> what are you doing? You know? And so Abner got angry. Abner was more powerful than Ishbosheth. And so this was a thing. If you take the king's concubine, you know, the former king, it gives you legitimacy as being the king. Bathsheba did not understand this. Well, if she did, then she was trying to kill herself because, you know, if they were overthrown, she would be executed along with Solomon. She understood that. Yeah, because she knew that she would, she, yeah, she would be considered a, you know, She'd get killed, along with Solomon. So, this is all in David's family. Okay? And this is from David's sin. So, verse 15, 
Adonijah speaking, he said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel expected me to be king. So he still thought, he was thinking, there's a possibility here, you know. And uh, so this is why he proposes this. Now Solomon is a smart cookie. We know this. <laughs> so in verse 21, so, you know, his mother comes up, he, he loves his mother, here sit, you know, by me, and uh, brings up a throne for her. What do you want, Mom? I'll give you anything you want. And then she asks for this. <laughs> yeah, then he says, let Abishag, the Shun let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother's wife. He answered, and why are you asking Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him also the kingdom. For he is my older brother, so it would seem that he has more claim to the throne. Even for him, for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. They're all in this together. So Solomon had given Adonijah a chance, you know, in chapter 1. He said, if he is a worthy man, not one of his hairs will fall to the ground. And here he showed that he is not a worthy man. So that is the rationale for execution of Adonijah, right there. And it's legitimate. It's a legitimate rationale. So, now this triggered Solomon to go after the co-conspirators that were involved in this. And that goes to our next section. So basically, all this killing and trickery are an outworking of David's sin with Bathsheba and his killing of Uriah. That's where all this came from. Um, you know, if he had not done that, I, presumably it would have been just a normal passing on succession. Okay, so section C, Solomon removes the con the conspirators. That's First Kings two twenty six through thirty five. Twenty six through thirty five. Yeah. It, it is. You know, in, in, in the place of power in the world, there's a lot of deceit, there's a lot of trickery, there's a lot of bloodshed, there's a lot of badness. That's because Satan is the god of this world. It won't always be that way, thankfully. So yeah, Abiathar the priest now was a co-conspirator with Adonijah, but his life was spared Verse 26, Solomon says, Go to Anathoth to your own field, for you deserve to die. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything with which my father was afflicted. So he was a priest, and uh, he carried the ark. And so Solomon gave him grace. And he said Anathoth was his home. Okay. So he sent them, he did not execute him, and uh, Abiathar, you know, behaved after that and didn't try to get involved in any treasonous activities. But this fulfills, this is another prophecy fulfilled that shows us that the Bible is a supernatural book. And this prophecy was from back in early First Samuel, Remember, Levi was the priest at that time. The tabernacle was in Shiloh. Eli's sons were Hophni and Phinehas. 
and they were committing adultery with women, and they were just being awful about the people bringing the sacrifices. So they're desecrating the sacrifices and things like that. And Eli, they should have been executed according to the Mosaic law. And Eli ignored it. He told them, what you're doing is bad. Stop doing that. But he didn't take any action. And so a prophet came and told Eli, your entire line will be, you know, excluded from the priesthood, excluded from the priesthood. And so that took time to happen. Hophni and Phinehas were both killed on one day. But this is the final completion of that prophecy. Abiathar was the last of that line. Remember, there was Aaron had four sons, two died early, and then there was Eleazar and Ithamar. This is the line of Ithamar, which is now excluded from the priesthood. And the Eleazar line continues. So, again, another prophecy fulfilled. It's a supernatural book. Now, Joab went to the altar as Adonijah had done earlier. Adonijah, remember, was hanging on to the altar too. And Solomon said, if he's going to be okay, then I won't do anything. So Joab did it too. And, you know, uh, Solomon sent Benaiah again, who is kind of his hitman. And he went and he was afraid to do it because he was hanging on to the altar. But apparently Solomon knew this scripture. This is Exodus 21.14. If, however, a man acts presumptuously toward his neighbor so as to kill him craftily, you are to take him even from my altar that he may die. So that was the Mosaic law. If he committed premeditated murder, the altar will not protect him. That's what God said. So Solomon told Benaiah that, and he says, do it. <laughs> and it was legitimate to do it. Uh, because he had committed murder twice. So then Benaiah replaced Joab as commander of the army, and Zadok replaced Abiathar as high priest. So Solomon had loyalists in those offices. Okay, now the last section is Solomon dealing with Shimei. So that is uh, chapter 2, verses 36 through 46. Now the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build for yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, and do not go out from there to any place. For on the day you go out and cross over the brook Kidron, you will know for certain that you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. Shimei then said to the king, The word is good. As my lord the king had said, so your servant will do. So Shimei lived in Jerusalem many days. But it came about at the end of three years that two of the servants of Shimei ran away to Achish, son of Maacah, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, your servants are in Gath. Then Shimei arose and saddled his donkey and went to Gath to Achish to look for his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. It was told Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had returned. So the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, did I not make you swear by the Lord and solemnly warn you, saying, You will know for certain that on the day you depart and go anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, The word which I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the command which I have laid on you? 
The king also said to Shimei, You know all the evil which you acknowledge in your heart, which you did to my father David. Therefore the Lord shall return your evil on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and fell upon him so that he died. Thus the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. So how did Solomon figure out to do what David told him to? He, he, he bound him with an oath, right? He bound him with an oath, and the oath was, if you break this oath, you are executed. Now, Shimei agreed to this because he knew, you know, that this grace from David was incredible and was probably not to be expected. So he agreed. Basically, he was placed not under house arrest. He had the whole city of Jerusalem that he could live in. Remember, he was from Bahurim, which was to the east of Jerusalem, and it was across the Kidron Valley. That's why he said, if you go across the Kidron Valley, you've broken the oath. Well, he didn't go across the Kidron Valley. He went to the west, all the way to the west, to Gath, to get these servants. But it makes you think that the Lord was kind of out to get him. Because his servants ran away. They said, oh, your servants ran away. It had been a long time. It's like he forgot that he made this blood oath. <laughs> and he went to get his servants. Solomon didn't forget. And so he legitimately, he broke the oath. It, he agreed, if you leave Jerusalem, your life is forfeit. So he executed him. So, and that took away the threat from Benjamin, which was Saul's clan. And so that is how the Lord established Solomon firmly as king. Power was consolidated.